0: Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. I want to begin by thanking so many who have called a text and, and done all those uh, good things that you'd normally do when, when folks are sick. Appreciate your concern for my father. Uh, he remains in surgical intensive care at Brookwood and uh, he's had a couple of surgeries since Wednesday night. Had one on Wednesday night to relieve some pressure. I had two bleeds in the brain and uh, so they relieved that, had to undergo a, an additional surgery on Friday, but hopefully he's turned the curve and is improving and uh, will be much better. He'll spend a little while longer in surgical intensive care, then moved out to the floor and then possibly doing some uh, rehab after that. But keep him in your prayers, keep me in your prayers, my family, and I did want to say thank you so much for all that you've done in, uh, in that regard so far. Also, I want to mention this morning as we begin that there is a special group of folks who may have received an invitation in the mail. Now, if you received that, I hope that you'll uh, look at what it said and, and that you'll be able to participate. And if you did not get one of those invitations, it does not mean that you're not special. It just means that you're special in a different way. You'll be hearing about more, more about the, the folks who did get one, uh, you know, in the coming weeks. And and, and somebody asked this morning uh, who had gotten one. What's it all about? And I said, Well, it's secret. Just you'll just have to show up. But uh, we'll we'll be saying more about that in uh, uh, probably next week. But hopefully, uh, those who did receive one of those will be able to be with us. Uh, I, I don't know if this is a a good thing or not, but it's my intention to cook, okay, so I don't know if that makes folks want to come or makes folks want to stay away, but anyway, hopefully uh, for those who did receive one of those, that you will indeed be here with us for that. Many of you have ever seen a house a lot like the one that you see on the screen, you know, one of those that had a fire, and it didn't burn completely down, but, but the structure's there, but things on the inside are all burned up. The family's not able to live there, and so it's basically been gutted. You can tell what it is, that it's a house. You can tell that someone in the past has lived there. And you can begin to imagine all the good times if it was a family who was there, uh, the good times that were shared by parents and children and and you can imagine perhaps some of the troubles that had had gone on as they faced sicknesses and and different kinds of things and and you know all of the things that go on with life in your own home basically go on in other families as well and so you can begin to think about all of the the joys and the excitement and all of the the good times and and the meals that had been cooked and all of those kind of things that, that are no longer going on there because there's nothing but a shell that is left. The insides are, are burned out. It, it's just basically nothing but, but standing there waiting perhaps to be uh, repaired. As, as I think about that, I want us to understand this morning that burnout is not limited to old buildings. We think about houses being burned out, but but burnout is not limited just to old buildings that that we may see when we are passing by along the highway. You know, if we were to think about people in general, we'd think sometimes about business executives who, who have worked really hard and they, they have become exhausted because they have put 70 or 80 hours a week in. they they kept up that rigid schedule for years. And so they—they they, even though they were excited about the company that they had helped to build and the jobs that they had been able to, to help create for other folks, they, they had put so much time in that in their life that now they're just worn out. They're burned out. They, they just don't have any excitement or anything left in their life. And you know, as we think about burnout, it's not just business executives that undergo some of these things. Marriages undergo some of them as well. You know, I've never done a wedding for anybody who was not excited to get married. You know, I try to talk folks out. We do the counseling with folks when uh, before we do the wedding. I try to talk them out of getting married. You know uh you say preacher what's wrong with you well i better break you up now rather rather than after you've gotten married and uh you know there's been a lot of folks i hadn't been able to talk out of it and every one of them been excited to be married but some of them unfortunately have spent some time together after their marriage and the marriage is sort of burned out the excitement was not not there anymore and And it's sad to say that some of the folks who stood before me and made the remarks that I will live with this person until death, will us part, the two of us, and they made that promise to themselves and to God, they no longer do that. Maybe they haven't gone that far, but maybe the old marriage itself is sort of like the burned out house. It's still there, but it's not what it once was. You know, I've seen a lot of kids who started school, and when the school year begins, there's a lot of enthusiasm. But nine months of school will burn you out. And I want you to know it's not just children who get that way. In spite of what the, 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 the students believe, their teachers get burned out too. We understand that. It's not that they just colluded together and said, all right, now we're going to make you go for nine months, regardless of whether you want to go or not. They get burned out too. And whatever job it is or whatever it is that you have in your life, it's very possible that, that you too have become burned out. Preachers even get burned out from time to time. One of the things that we do at Polishing the Pulpit is try to recharge folks. And it it really and truly began as a workshop just for preachers so that we could help to recharge preachers and and to build ourselves back up. And it's expanded out, and now this year 4,100 people. Not all of them by a large number were preachers. Some of the lessons that were most popular were lessons in regard to being burned It may be this morning that there's something that's causing you to have some burnout because even dedicated Christians get some burnout every once in a while. We seek to live our life for God, and after years of faithfully serving, the members just eventually drop off or drop out. It may be this morning that you yourself are feeling some symptoms of burnout. Let me, let me just share with you three as we're going through this lesson. It may be that the assemblies are not as exciting as they used to be. You know, a lot of times in our world, especially today, there have been so many religious groups who said, if we can just make the assemblies exciting, then we can attract people. And a lot of the things that they do in, in their assemblies are certainly not to be found in the Word of God. There's a lot of entertainment that's done. The bigger the excitement factor, you know, the entertainment factor, the more excitement that there is. And, and again, unfortunately, there are large crowds that are drawn to that. But may I ask you this morning if you would think seriously about situations like that. Is it just because people have no regard for God and they don't want to do what God has to say? I would totally disagree with that. Many of the folks who want to be a part of those things are are folks who want to be pleasing to God and yet through the years they have become burned out. And they see this as a way to gain some fire and some excitement and uh, to recharge themselves. And when our assemblies, they, they sort of become dull. Is it because we have failed to do what God said? Or is it that we ourselves are beginning to have some problems in our life and things are just not as exciting to me because I'm being burned out? It may be this morning that it's not the assemblies, but but it may be that you just can't get real excited about teaching and and doing other good things that we as Christians ought to be doing the good works that that we have been ordained as Christians to do. We hear about opportunities to serve God. We hear about things that are going on in the in the local church in the body of Christ, and and we know deep down in our heart that that's really the things that Christians do, and that we ought to be. Be doing, and, and sometimes we'll talk about how we ought to be doing more for the Lord, and and if we just had more programs and more things that we could do for the Lord, you know, how many more we could get involved, but, but you began to talk to folks who are in charge of some of these things, and they say, you know how hard it is to get people to participate? It's a lot easier to go to the dentist and have your teeth pulled than it is to get somebody to step up and do some of these things and elders you know we've had to repair no we really haven't done that but i started to say we had to repair the walls down there in the in the elders room where they beat their head up against them you know how in the world can we get people involved it may have been in some congregations that's a reality you know hopefully it's not here at midway but things are just not as exciting to us and and we just can't get real fired up about teaching and doing other good things. Uh, are, are we talking to anybody this morning who's here? Am I just running my mouth and and, and and just because I needed something to say this morning? Or are we talking reality? What about number three? We become less and less involved in church activities. Maybe that those assemblies that we talked about, we'll, we'll begin to taper off on Wednesday night a little bit, and, and it gets easier for us to taper off on Wednesday night, so we throw a Sunday night in every once in a while that, that, that we fail to attend, and, and then for long, we're just not doing anything except Sunday morning, and then we'll skip one of them every once in a while, and for long, we're completely away from the work of the Lord. But I want you to know, I'm not just preaching about assemblies this morning. It's these other things that, that are a part of the work of the Lord's church. We used to be involved in them and we used to be excited about them and we used to be the one that you could count on and we used to step up and be the first to volunteer, but I just sort of tapered off through the years. I may use the excuse, well, you know I've served my time and now it's time for somebody else to step up and we excuse ourselves but we become less and less and less involved in the work of the church. It may not be that it's because you're not a dedicated Christian. It may be because you're suffering from burnout. That you've just worn yourself out if you will, in the work of the Lord. The Bible recognizes some folks like that. Brother Jeff read about them this morning from the book of Hebrews chapter number 10. He read in verses 32 through 36 about some people who needed to remember the former days, the time when they had become Christians. And notice some of the other things that he says that they needed to recall. He says you were enlightened. Remember that time... But he also talks about the time that they endured struggles and suffering. And sometimes they were exposed publicly to reproach and affliction. And sometimes it was just some of their friends who were treated that way, who suffered those things. You see, the writer of the book of Hebrews is talking about folks who had been dedicated Christians. They had been faithful to the Lord. They had gone through so many things. And, and guess what? They were in danger. They were in danger of losing that pathway in their life. And so he reminds them here in this passage, verses 30, uh, down through verse number 36, he, he says, "...do not throw away, in verse 35, your confidence which has a great reward." Because you need to have endurance. That's verse 36. So that when you have done the will of God, you may receive the promises of God. You see, what happens if we, if we start out fast and furious and, and we work and we dedicate ourselves and then we taper off and we just continue to go downhill to the point that We just sort of forget about what it was all about to be a Christian to start with. You see, the writer of the book of Hebrews makes it clear that it's possible for us to throw all of that other away and to lose the benefit that we had and and to fail to receive the promises, one of which is eternal life, the promises which God has made to us. It's not because God is not unfaithful, but it's because we sort of turn ourselves away from Him. And it's not because we don't believe in Him. not because we we don't have regard for Him. Maybe even that we love Him, but sometimes we get burned out. Now, as we continue our lesson this morning, I, I, I want to say to you, I don't have a magic pill that I'm about to drop on you that everybody's going to run out of here like you've had ten gallons of uh, a very caffeinated coffee and you, you know, you're ready to go this morning. But there are a couple of things that I'd remind us all of that unless we have these things, we will have burnout. And if we do have some burnout or at least some signs of it, then they'll help us. Well, what are they? Number one on my list, next to blank on yours, is this. We need to regain the sense of awe that we have over the gospel. Sometimes we think about that word awe. It's used quite a bit today, and, and we use the long form of it. We say something about being awesome and, and all of those things, but we really need to have some awe over the gospel message. You see, the writer of the book of Hebrews, that's what he is trying to do with the Christians who are in danger that we read about in chapter number 10, that's one of the things that he tries to do with them is to restore that spirit of awe that they had in the message, in the gospel, in the good news, in the, in the things that they had heard. Now how does he do that? Well, go back to chapter number 1. In chapter 1, beginning at verse 5, the Bible has these words, he says, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You're my son. Uh, today I have begotten you, or again, I, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Uh, of the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds and ministers of a flame ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands." They will perish, but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you're the same. And your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit on my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? You see, these Christians, they could have served a lot of gods back in the first century. They could have served, they could have chosen any of the pagans that they wanted to choose. They could turn their back on the true and living God and and, and just just, you know, start walking and find any kind of thing that they could imagine. But the writer of the book of Hebrews says, "Look who you are serving." Remember who you're serving. It's not just any God that you're serving. It's the one that the God of the Old Testament, your father, said to his son, here's all these things. He said, by the way, who created that earth? By the way, who's the one who controls it? Who's the one... That, that even though it's wearing out will remain, but He's the one who can take it and fold it up, roll it up like a garment. Who's the one who has that much power? Oh, I know who He is. He's the one you're serving. And again, I could go through all of what I just read. I wanted to take time to read it from, from the pen of the, uh, of the inspired man. But, but I want you to think about what he's doing here. And he inspires them to remember who it is that they're serving. Who do you serve today? Who is your God this morning? Who did you come to worship? A lot of times we come to worship the preacher. I'm not worthy. I'm only a man. A lot of times we come because mama and daddy made me come. And you're worshiping them. They're not worthy either. They're good people. But they're not worthy. It's not because the elders, you know, they'll call you up if you don't show up. Or it's not because of any other person You ought to be here this morning because God is in heaven. His Son came to this earth. He is the one who said, let there be light, and there was. He's the one who created the heavens and the earth. He's the one who controls them. He still has control over not just the universe, but everything that happens in our world. He is the one that we're serving. And He's the one who died for you. He's the one who was willing to give everything up just for you. How many of you have ever been to the Smoky Mountains? A lot of folks have. You know, they're, they're pretty impressive. You know, we like to go. It's good just to get away, but we love to go there. Have you ever thought about what the people who live in the Smokies What they think about Pigeon Forge and Sevierville and Gatlinburg. And do they really understand what they got? When you say, well, preacher, I like them. But, you know, we got some pretty good sized hills around here. Yeah, we do. And so I wonder, has anybody been to the Grand Canyon? We got ditches around here too, but we ain't got one like that. Okay. Only time I've ever been, we walked up, we spent about, I don't know, just a few minutes there and turned around and came back. But when we did walk up and I looked down, I said, whoa, wait a minute, there's an airplane. I'm used to seeing them up here, not down there. I wonder what the people who live around the Grand Canyon think about the canyon. What about the folks who live in the Swiss Alps. Anybody ever been there? I haven't. I've never been there. I've seen some pictures. I sure would like to go sometime. wonder what the folks who live there think about them. Do they really appreciate the beauty? The wonder of what they have. I wonder how many people in this audience have known God. and how many of us really appreciate the god that we have we need to be inspired regain our sense of awe over the gospel message not only that we know some of life's greatest message or some of life's greatest things can can uh, become routine but we don't need to let them We don't need to let them. Do you really recall the message that changed your life when you became a Christian? What moved you to make the move that you made at that time? If it was the truth of God's Word as it should be, It ought to move you again today to serve that God, to worship Him, to be the kind of person. You see, we've got to have that all because God is still the same. Did you notice one of the things that He said about God back there in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1? Do do you remember what He said about the earth and all of those things? Uh, They're perishing, they wear out like a garment. You can roll them up because they're changed, but verse number 12 says you are the same. Your years will have no end. The God that you became a worshiper of, obedient to, whether it's 50 years ago or 5 years ago or 5 days ago, will continue to be God 500 billion years from now if the earth remains. And we'll continue to be that same God eternally when this old earth is gone. We need to be inspired by that. Then secondly this morning, we need to draw strength from other Christians. Draw some strength from those who are around us. What do most folks do when they begin to get discouraged? They tend to draw, uh, to, to pull away from the church. I've seen that over and over and over again through the years. We begin to get discouraged, and we we turn away from the body of people who can help us. And you know what? I'm not a smart man. I'm not inspired. I can't read the hearts of folks like Jesus could. But I can begin to tell when a person is in danger of burnout. I can see it through the actions that they have in their life. I want us to understand this morning that when we're least in the mood for being around other Christians, that's when we really and truly need to be around them the most. When we really don't want to, that's when we really need to. To be around our brothers and our sisters in Christ. I want you to think about a verse with me this morning. It's one that most people here in this audience can quote. Know it by heart. I'm going to read it from the English Standard Version this morning. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. If you're reading that, maybe even from your memory, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Anybody remember that this morning? Yeah, most of us do. When you hear that verse... What is it that we're preaching on? What is it that the Bible class teacher is, is usually talking about? What is it that the elders are talking to you about? You know, if you've been away for a few days and they start quoting Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 and they say, not forsaking the assembling, what are we talking about? You need to be at church. Okay, I understand that. That's what you're saying to me, right? Right? This is yes, this is no, and this is... Preacher, don't make me admit it. How many of us can quote the rest of the verse? Well, let me just finish it. I said I was going to read it a minute ago, and I read it, and I got to the part that would know. What does the rest of the verse say? Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some... But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching. A lot of speculation about that. I believe it can pretty easily be established that the day that's approaching is the day of the destruction of Jerusalem. These people were in and around Jerusalem. Uh, the signs of the destruction of Jerusalem were laid out by Jesus in the first part of Matthew chapter number twenty-four. And he says here, you know, when you start seeing these things coming to pass, you know that day's coming. The day that Jerusalem itself was going to be destroyed. It happened in 70 A.D. The book of Hebrews was written shortly before that. And so it's very easy to establish that that's what he's talking about. But when you see the hard times coming on, when you see people in danger of being discouraged because of all that they're going through in their life, What do you need to do? Get together and encourage each other. Well, how many discouraging things are there in life? How how many even dedicated Christians sometimes have worked themselves to the bone and, and, and they're in danger of burning out like a house? A lot of them. Maybe even some in these pews. What do we need more than anything? Encouragement from our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we need to remember, be inspired again by that awe that we have of the one that we serve, but also to draw strength from Christians who are around us. But I'm not just talking about worship assemblies, because in the book of Hebrews chapter 3, same book, Verses 12 through 13 of that verse, the Bible says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. We need one another. We need to share that fellowship, that love, that joy of being together as God's people. Preacher, I'm in danger of burnout. What you're saying is is come to church more. You know what I'm saying is. Draw strength. Strength that you need today from others who have that strength, because guess what? Tomorrow, they may be ones in danger of burnout. And now you're recharged and you're built back up and you can return the favor on some future day. It's what brothers and sisters do for each other. You see, we're all needing to relight the fire, not to burn the house down, but to let the light shine so that others may see God glorify Him because we're living for Him. There are a number of other things. Fortunately for you, though, I ran out of space in the bulletin. And so because I ran out of space on the back of the bulletin and I'm cutting my sermon short this morning, the points that I had already prepared. We'll come back on another day sometime in the future and we'll talk about the rest of what I had, uh, had written down. But hopefully this morning these two things will be helpful to us as we, as we think. We need, to, we need to go and look at God's Word. We need to let our imagination run wild, not because we're making things up, but let our imagination run wild in the Word of God about God and who it is that we have as our Father. We need to draw that strength from each other so that we're ready to go after we leave here on Sunday. We're ready to go and we're ready to face the weak. We're ready to face the trials and we're ready to rebuild the shells of the houses that are burned out in our life. And that'll recharge our marriages and it'll recharge uh, our ho hum days that we have in our, in our work life, and, and, and it'll help us to be a light to our friends and our neighbors who need Jesus in their life. Really and truly, that's what we as Christians are all about. The Lord never said the task of living the Christian life would be easy, but He said it's possible. We can be what He wants us to be, and we can show others what He wants them to be if we can keep our light burning. Sometimes we just need to rekindle the fire in order to make that happen. Maybe you're here this morning, and there's something in your life that you need to correct. Or maybe you're here and you've never begun the walk of a Christian, we we would love to help you if you need to respond for any of those reasons to put your Lord on in baptism or, or or, or to uh, to have something in your life that we can pray with you and for you. If you need that, we'd love to do that right now. As together we stand and sing.
1: Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you full? His grace Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are you full are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin And be washed in the blood of the Lamb There's a fountain flowing O'er the soul unclean Oh, be washed In the blood of the Lamb Are you washed in the blood And the so cleansing blood of the Lamb Are your garments spotless Are they white as snow Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Be seated, please.
2: Sister Susan Kimbrell comes forward this morning stating, I come forward to repent of my sins of omission for not having enough faith and trust in God to watch over my sick loved ones to come and put God first in my life, to come and worship for the Lord, said, if we don't put Him first, we're not worthy of Him. I know I can and will do better to always put God first, so this morning I want to start over by putting God first in my life always. God has answered so many of my prayers by restoring my health, and I am asking for forgiveness for falling short in my worship to the Lord. Tremendous example that she sets for all of us in striving to do better. As we go to God in prayer on her behalf, let's all think and examine ourselves as we go about our daily walk here upon this earth. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you at this time on behalf of our sister in Christ, Susan Kimbrell. We pray, Father, that you would forgive Susan of of the sin in her life. We ask, Father, that that you would give her strength, that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we would give her encouragement to help strengthen her and to be able to to help her in, in every way that we can. We know that as we grow older ourselves, that at some point in time we become caregivers to our friends and our family. And we know that we have a duty to help them, but we also know that we have the duty to be able to assemble with the saints and to be able to worship you with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we pray, Father, that none of us will let the things of this world get in our way of worshiping you. We ask that as we continue to pray for Susan, that we will continue to encourage her and we'll encourage one another. We know that You will forgive and remember these sins no more. And we pray that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we will do the same as well. And we ask these blessings in Christ's name. Amen.